Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time, undisputed greatest band, They Might Be Giants, and I am Greg Simpson, and today I'm here with Jonathan Leonard to talk about the song Museum of Idiots, off of 2004's The Spine. They built this whole neighborhood out of wood, out of wood. I guess I'll still be around when they burn, burn it down. Standing around when they burn it down Here in the Museum of Idiots All right, uh, Jonathan, thanks uh, for, for joining me. This is the first time we've talked, like, uh, I suppose it's face-to-face over the video call. Yeah, yeah, this is. It's Just, nice uh, to meet you. Nice to meet you too. This is uh, absolutely not one of those gimmicks like those uh, bullshit magicians of no, I've never met you before, sir. <laughs> and, this is, and I have this nothing is up my sleeves. First meeting. <laughs> I have no idea who you are. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You are, in, where are you located, first of all? I am located in Hutchinson, Minnesota. Um, been around Minnesota my entire life, born in Minneapolis, but from uh, Minnesota. So for They Might Be Giants, First Avenue was my stomping ground. Uh, I've Where's Hutchinson been, related to you know, the, the big cities there for, uh, it, for reference? It's about an hour and 20 minutes. Uh, it would be uh, southwest of the Twin Cities, about an hour away from uh, St. Cloud as well for okay. people in that area. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's definitely I, uh, not a cultural hub of any sort. Oh, st- who who cares? I love the Midwest. Obviously, my <laughs> other podcast is about uh, yeah. the best Midwestern music, and we um, this year we, we took a pretty lengthy hiatus when I had my our baby over here, and my my co-host. He we're both from the Chicagoland area. He's actually from Rockford, Illinois. If you know where that's at, um, right. Home of Cheap Trick, and he's now in Cleveland, and so we're Midwesterners for life, and we are doing a state-by-state thing right now. We're about halfway through the Midwest states. Uh, The last one we did this past summer was um, North Dakota, and I'll tell you, it was hard to find music up there. We, (laughs) we We did eventually, but we had to dig a lot more than, obviously, Illinois, just having Chicago, Um, but even like you know, Missouri having St. Louis or Wisconsin having Milwaukee and Madison and Ohio having Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, it, you it, know, it, it uh, was tough. Yeah, what we ended up doing was we, f- we found like two bands and then we went to their Facebook pages to see like, okay, who did they play with in Fargo? Okay, who did they play with in, you know, Bismarck or whatever? Like we kept like just like looking at their show flyers. I was going to say, and Indian powwows didn't classify a band. That's about all I can think of for North Dakota. 
Well, hey, if you listen, actually, I usually, I'm, you know, being the, I suppose the bigger, like, overall music nerd. My, my co-host worked for Alternative Press Magazine for a decade. Okay. He is, he is very well versed in uh, the rock and roll music and punk and Indian such, and so am I. But I would always try to, th- like, throw a wrench into things for him and, like, play something really off the beaten path. <laughs> And you know we focus on 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 rock, but I did play. Was that in the North Dakota episode or was it in the Missouri episode? I did play some. I found a, a decent recording of some, uh, like a modern recreation of a like an old uh, Native American ritual. I can't I can't remember which tribe it was because this was like six months ago. Yeah. But, and then like in Michigan, I played like um, oh, I can't remember what big college it was. I played like the. One of the Michigan uh, University marching bands doing like Beyonce or something. I was just like, well, just, there we go. I'll, just, I'll just play something totally stupid here. Like, I mean, Michigan, they're not, you know, <laughs> they got a bunch of really good football teams and therefore really good marching bands. So, and, and he's always like, what the fuck are you doing, man? <laughs> no, I, I will say on the whole, at least Minnesota doesn't look for bands, even currently. I mean, there's a good uh, oh, grass. Yeah both being, you know, driven by Dylan, what have you. Yeah, hey, if you want to, I mean, Husker is a is a big favorite of mine. The replacements, obviously, Prince. I mean, there's, it, that's going to be no problem. We haven't done the, the Minnesota episode yet, but if you have any smaller bands or different genres that you want to uh, message my way, uh, we haven't done that episode yet, so um, oh, I'd they, love your, only, your, your suggestions. Only one's off the... Only ones off the top of my head, uh, probably the at least biggest band from Minnesota that had any sort of national significance would be Trampled by Turtles. Mm. Um, <laughs> they've, they've been pretty, pretty big well, as well, and even right. uh, to a smaller extent, guys like Charlie Parr, Pert near Sandstone. So there's a strong bluegrass folk thing going. But. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll have to investigate that then. For sure. Absolutely. Being being in Indiana, you know, I grew up in Chicago where uh, I didn't know much about bluegrass at all, but then I moved to southern Indiana. Uh, now I'm in more northern part of Indiana, but uh, in southern Indiana, Nashville, Indiana, not the right. cool Nashville, Nashville, Indiana, there's a very big uh, bluegrass festival there. I mean, big as, you know, as far as Indiana goes, a big festival. <laughs> so I, I, I learned a little bit about... Uh, Bluegrass and about uh, you know Kentucky and Bill Monroe and all that good stuff. Uh, so, anywho, we met through. Well, if you if you want to go ahead and tell the, the story, you are one of my first handful of guests on the podcast to be people that I am uh, r- really kind of you know meeting uh, video call wise for the first time. People that I don't that I wasn't previously uh, acquainted with. So, right, how, uh, tell the people how. We met. Uh, it was through miscellaneous tea. Um, just sort of paid attention to... I frequent that uh, page on Facebook, and uh, shout out to them, and uh, ended up seeing on here that you were starting this podcast, and so from that was able to jump in on episode one and kind of kept up from there. And then uh, you kind of put the call out of anybody who's been able to keep up and... Uh, hear music from my murdered remains or want to chime in on any thoughts, any of those songs, you know, shoot you an email and, or shoot you a message. And I was like, you know, I've done a few podcasts here and there before, uh, was a mass comm major in college. So I was like, yeah, I'll shoot him a shot. 
and kind of went on from there. Nice. Nice. Uh, yeah, and then uh, so then we decided though to to first bypass. We're we're going to be uh, talking about Jonathan here t- uh, selected tick 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 yeah from my murdered remains, and we will be doing an episode on that, which will air later. But we're going to talk about Museum of Idiots. So why did you pick this song? I f- I feel like kind of in general the spine is a little maybe underrated if not yeah. a forgotten album of theirs I, well i don't know what do you what do you think it kind of ties in with uh even me getting into this band um i i will say that that this is uh not an original concept i've heard this on one other podcast but they find that there's this especially in the 90s at the height of their popularity there was this holy trinity that most people fall into in terms of bands. So if you're looking at a Venn diagram, these all connect and that would be Weird Al Yankovic, Bare Naked Ladies, <laughs> they might be giants. Okay. And so I've heard I've heard Cake thrown into the mix a lot with uh, that crowd as well. Yeah. I don't know how you feel about Cake. Oh, I'm not I, a huge I, Cake or Bare Naked Ladies fan. I don't have anything against them, but I am a huge Weird Al fan from way back in like the third grade getting my even worse cassettes and my off the deep end cassette. Well, uh you know so, I, I ended yeah, up continue. finding Cake after uh, even They Might Be Giants. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, it, in terms of actual order of those bands, it would probably be Weird Al first, and then it was Bare Naked Ladies, and then it was They Might Be Giants, and then uh, Cake afterwards. So it kind of went in those, those four. And uh, the initial... Weird Al usually comes first. Yeah, it was actually <laughs> a neighbor of mine who... Uh, Showed me that showed me uh, an Al TV special that he recorded on VHS when he took over MTV and it kind of just went from went from there and and uh, yeah, yeah. At, and just absorbed it. Didn't even really care about uh, like what how long he'd been doing this, what have you. I had it, he gave me such a touchstone of even popular music because my parents kept me pretty musically diverse, so it was like well. Uh, I got into him around 96, so that would have been Bad Hair Day, but to me, the the parodies from Bad Hair Day are to equal of that of cultural relevance at that moment to me as listening to Eat It or Fat or... uh, or Bad Hair Day is a great album. Uh, I mean, Amish Paradise is one of his crowning achievements i would say <laughs> yeah the one know, that i, I actually do. really liked from from that that got me into like okay this is cool was uh gump because i really did like <laughs> by the presidents of the united states of america yeah like yeah yeah, yeah. so i was like this ba- <laughs> he's picking a band that's obscure enough and then even later on you know you go back to bad hair day and that's where the they might be giants pastiche is on right so it all yeah. comes, it all comes full circle, I guess. <sighs> yeah. But um, but I digress. To focus on, they might be giants. Um, I have I see. I should have given him a ring up to figure out exactly where he got it. But I first started hearing songs of his of them from uh, my father, and ended up hearing like, nice. He just thought it was weird. But it was even. But the weird part is because of the fact that. It was the early 2000s. I was getting these songs via, uh, I'll admit it, Kazaa. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I use Kazaa. 
So um, I was never a LimeWire guy. I was a Kazaa guy. I don't know if that was yeah. like a line in the sand or if I'm getting the years wrong. They they coexisted, right? They Those coexisted. No, it was for me. It was Napster. Yeah. Napster got shut down. Then I went to Kazaa. Yep. Uh, yeah, but uh-huh. from that, same here. It, it gave me sort of a same thing of they might be giants where since. It, it's not as organized as torrents are nowadays. It was, it's this song by They Might Be Giants, and they have this back catalog. <laughs> and so it took a while for me to even give a damn about uh, what songs went where, like what was the original version. Like, as, sure. as odd as it is, uh, for me, the definitive version of Istanbul, which was what got me hooked to that particular song, even more than the Flood version, was the live version from Severe Tire Damage, because that's what I could download off of Kazaa. Uh, <laughs> good, uh, it's a good version. <laughs> so this was probably yeah. about, uh, 2002, 2003 that, uh, I, um, started listening to them. Um, and so the reason that the spine holds a place in my heart is this was the first sort of release that I could get as of, and this was also around yeah. the time of. I loved the fact that they were starting to throw up at that point live shows to download. So, and that they did that for about, you know, two or three years. I know they don't do that anymore, but I got a few shows from there. And so I was able to just engulf myself in the spine and the live version, the live way that they did it. And uh-huh. uh, it was just sort of a thing of, I, I almost, with They Might Be Giants, I almost see it like the same theory as, uh, saturday night live where people always say that the cast they grew up with is always the best and the new stuff's right well it is the best (laughs) and i'm not saying new they might be giant stuff in the slightest that's not what i'm saying but there's a unfair fondness that you put to your first major album for me it's it's the spine it's like that uh you know i mean it's like music you hear during your formative years it's like if you hear I mean, I'm finding that, so I'm 37, I'm a little older than you, I'm I'm finding that I'm going back to stuff that, um, I mean, They Might Be Giants have been with me for, since my formative years, uh, and have, I've never, you know, strayed from them really much at all, but bands like, like stupid bands, like Blink-182 or something, like, I loved them when I was in high school, and then, like, I got to college, and I'm like, oh, I'm smarter than that, man, now, you know, I'm into indie stuff, I'm into smart stuff, I'm into stuff with weird time signatures, and then, like, you know, and I hit, like, my mid-30s, I'm like, you know what, I could, I could rock out on a little dude ranch right now, that sounds pretty good to me, and then I'm like, then I'm playing, like, the dumbest pop-punk stuff, and my wife's like, what are you doing, why are you listening? Why are you listening to this? <laughs> I kind of had that too, but for me, it was a whole thing about uh, I had my own sort of listening, and then what kind of opened me up to there being merits to top forty and pop was DJing in college, and then also uh, dating my girlfriend now wife, where we got two kids. Uh, she's way more of a top forty file than I am, but at least I now have. Uh-huh. I have appreciation for it. I mean, I used to absolutely have an upturned nose at that shit and be like, you know, I, this is, I, I have a more diverse, right. <laughs> like, I, 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 mean, I have a I, more sophisticated palette intentionally, but I, and you know, in some ways I could end up absolutely being described as snooty about it. Like my parents taught me the appreciation of Zydeco at a young age. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> 
Like Jerk off motion. Exactly. All right, dude. Exactly. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I'm. Uh, I was just looking at. Uh, so the one that at the time of recording this, the episode that just came out was um, Alienations for the Rich. Yeah. And I'm actually about to um, put out the 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 next ep- episode is Istanbul yeah. featuring my parents because they were here. We actually recorded most of it when they were here for Thanksgiving. This is how okay. far ahead I am. Nice. And then when I was back in Chicago for Christmas, I'm like, hey, I found a couple more cool live versions. Let's tack on another 10 minutes. So it's <laughs> like we got like Thanksgiving weekend and then like Christmas Christmas Eve, I made them record it uh, during the day. And um, and then I pieced it all together. So that'll be up next week. Right. Um, but I'm looking at, so we're, we're hosted by punknews.org, uh, same as my best Midwestern. And I used to also produce the weekly podcast. Um, whether I was hosting it or not, I was the the producer for two years, three years, three years. And, um, the alienations for the rich, I just kind of popped, I refreshed the screen and I see someone is like, I only know particle man. And that's just because it was on tiny tunes when I was a kid. I'm like, like every guest has brought up tiny tunes so far, except for Abby, because she was so young. Yeah. Even me, uh, uh, my only connection to Tiny Toons was I watched Tiny Toons, didn't see the video, and then uh, got the direct from Brooklyn VHS and was like, "Oh, they did yep. Tiny Toons." I actually, yep, I saw, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually knew the the more than the Tiny Toons. I did see the uh, Doctor Worm Kablam, but that show was such a right. oddball thing that uh, I that it wasn't even necessarily necessarily something that permeated as oh this is a band i should check out i was just like oh this is a right because it was a variety type show that it was like oh this is just a a segment like it, it could literally be anybody that contributed the song who cares right yeah they didn't like give them like a credit like it was a music video or something right exactly. didn't like say in the corner right yeah i actually had not seen that version of Dr. Worm, that Dr. Worm video on Kablam, until right before my wife and I recorded the Dr. Worm episode. Yeah. Because I I never had cable growing up. Like, I didn't have cable until... I think my parents might have gotten cable when I moved away to college. So, like, I kind of had cable when I Isn't came that back nice? from college. God, let's get cable. <laughs> yeah, well, 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 yeah, and then when I moved out, you know, for good and grew up, they moved to a much nicer house. How yeah. dare they? Um... <laughs> Anyway, I never saw the Kablam thing, but yeah. it was it was it's kind of funny discovering stuff about who I consider my favorite band, like and Doctor Worm being I gave it a perfect ten. It's the only perfect ten yeah. I've given so far, even on all the ones I've recorded. That's the only ten I've given, and I'm like, how have I never seen this weird little? It's Nickelodeon <laughs> show, right? Yeah, Nickelodeon. Yep, yeah, Nickelodeon. Yeah, I'm like, how am I just seeing this? I've loved this song for twenty years, and I'm just now discovering that there is like un- basically a second music video. It's like, yeah, what? And, that, and that was a very odd uh, show. I mean, it it was. I could tell oddball segmented, and... but that was the time it was big. Like, I mean, that was, I mean, that was lot. That was a bit after like you can't do that on television and like. Oh, absolutely! That. It was. It was after that. That was right in the heart of the like. Snick lineup of all that, uh, Kablam, Keenan and Kel, like right in that wheelhouse. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know any of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a, a certain segment of uh, your listening audience is like, yeah, that's what he, yeah, that, that, that's what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get a bigger, a bigger range of uh, ages and, and people on here. I'm going to have my, um, one of my music students, one of my private lesson students who's in sixth, sixth grade, he is 12 and he grew up on They Might Be Giants because his dad, his dad is, you know, in the instant fan club and stuff. Like, I might have him and his dad be on at the same time just to get, like, that generational, like, like, you're, oh, you're such a good dad. You have passed down. He, he has never known life without They Might Be Giants. And I envy him. That's so great. (laughs) That's, and that's honestly been, uh, mine because, uh, with, I, you know, with my two kids and what have you, um, they both, they, they even got the benefit of, I, I, I can, Besides, hey, listen to daddy's music. This is what you have to listen to. Tough squat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> to them, the, you, there, there's the education. You can swear on here, by the way. And so, tough squat. You guys are going to listen about the alphabet. You guys are going to listen about, you know, the one, two, threes. I mean, my, and it's fun hearing their own opinions. Like my, my daughter, one of the times, uh, we were listening to it. Actually, no, it wasn't listening to that, but because she has a touchstone with They Might Be Giants, we were watching the uh, NBC uh, performance of uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, and it got to uh-huh. and it got to King Herod's song, and my daughter pointed out and said, that sounds like number two. So the Christ, you're the great Jesus Christ. Prove to me that you're divine. Change my water into wine. That's all you need to. Then I'll know it's all true. Come on. The melody sounds exactly <laughs> like number two from They Might Be Giant. Oh, I'd have to put those side by side. I don't know. I do. I don't know Jesus Christ Superstar really very it, well it, at all. It, it, same. Uh, uh, same sort of. Uh, Shuffle beat, same sort of thing. Come on, you king of the Jews. Like it, it definitely sounds like <laughs> number two. It's extremely, it's extremely weird how uh, on the nose it was. And so I like, I even looked over and as the song was going on, I was just like, really? That, that syncs up. And so as he was singing, my daughter was over there going, if you need a friend, uh, you know what? And I'm like, oh my Lord. Down on me, walk across my swimming pool. Like it just, my it's, it sounds like maybe you, it sounds like maybe you and your daughter should come on an episode together to do one of the kids. albums. <laughs> I, I can, uh, I, I only I can, have, I think three of three, out of five kids' albums, I only have three songs reserved on my spreadsheet right now. Possibly, I can albums. I can try to convince her on that. And even my son, uh, he he's gravitated since he's a bit younger. He's only seven. He's gravitated yeah. quite a bit to because uh, I was in the fan club a couple of years ago. Gravitated to the songs on Y and that kind of stuff. So he loves the songs like "I Haven't Seen You in Forever." Totally. And that kind of. I've been playing Y for my daughter quite a bit lately. I, I I would I would love that to have <laughs> to well, so far my parents I don't think they'd mind me saying they're the oldest guests obviously that I'm that I'm I've had on the show so far. Uh, to have a seven year old on that would be that would be pretty adorable and it'd be a whole different <laughs> angle. Well, I mean, cause he, he didn't was, first hear them on Tiny Tunes, so because <laughs> I mean, he even tries to uh, like when he has a disagreement with me. 
<laughs> he tries to, since he knows that I find that part of the song humorous, he even tries to justify his disagreement by doing the no you, no you, no you, no you. Like, like, <laughs> like if it wasn't for They Might Be Giants, I'd be way more pissed at you right now. <laughs> <laughs> so he disarms you through your, through your favorite. Would you call them your favorite oh, band? There's a, yeah. There's a chink in the armor. God damn it. <laughs> would you call them your favorite band or just one of your favorite bands? How would you, uh, how would you define them in your, oh, your um, musical tastes? They're, they're, they're in constant rotation. The only sort of, uh, variation with that, that might be a, a close second. And it really depends. It's weird. There's times like between these two bands, I jump in and out. And it actually really depends on uh, both their output and when they're touring. I also really like Fish. I know there's absolutely no correlation <laughs> between the two. Uh, yeah, except for I, I, possibly, I am not a Fish fan. I'll just say that. Yeah, ex- well, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, the jamming on uh, on Spy. I mean, that's the closest thing. Or any of the times that Hearing Aid kind of stretches out uh-huh. life in the weird spaces like i'm like oh that sounds jam bandish but that's about the only uh yeah yeah they might be giants they might be giants are, are about as far from a jam as possible that's true while there is like the the venn diagram like to get back to the the, the wonderful venn diagram um there the big overlap with those two bands would be that they have very obsessive fans yeah that's like, probably where you, it's- you know <laughs> It falls. I mean, because also even just ideology on songwriting, I mean, they might be giants have notoriously said with songs of basically when it stops being interesting, that's when they chop it off almost like a Monty Python sketch. And that's why you got these two and a half minutes now. And then you have fish going, get ready and sit down for our uh, second set. We will be playing a 30 minute long tweezer. And that's absolutely. (laughs) I mean, they both uh, explore interesting spaces maybe that's the deal sure that they tickle different parts of my musical mind and not in the same location but they might be giants is always uh consistent uh you look at my ipod it's going to pop up with they might be giants when i hit shuffle there's absolutely no escaping that's just just the way it is yeah yeah well they're good at dominating an ipod because they have like 700 freaking songs I, <laughs> that too. I have not I have not figured out exactly how many songs because the wiki is misleading in that it says they're they're about to crack nine hundred songs on the wiki, but that has repeats if a song has been released more than twice. Well, so like I'm not gonna you know, how many songs have they released? Yeah, around nine hundred. Well that but how many I mean, songs have they written? You gotta cut about a hundred off of that. Well, right. I mean uh, for example, uh for you IFC people, I mean, they just released the officially released the John Henry demo. So that's all the songs on John Henry yep. times two now added to the Wiki again. Wiki yeah, catalog. yeah. I just got that as well, and I'm 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 digging it. I have a lot of thoughts on that. I may do an exclusive episode just on that. But uh, my friend, <clears throat> well, the end of the tour episode is obviously already out there yeah. before the John Henry thing got released. But my friend came. I'm so far ahead with these episodes. My friend, uh, who's actually plays uh, Barry Sax in one of my bands, uh, he picked Dirt Bike for obvious saxophone related reasons. Yeah, and we did we did that episode about a month ago, and then John the John Henry demos ca- came out, and I'm like, well, I haven't released that episode yet. Come back over for five <laughs> minutes, and we'll 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 talk about that 
because yeah. I'm way too much of a completist to to just ignore that that exists. I'd be like, just come out, just real quick. We'll talk about this version. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah. So, like on my spreadsheet here, I've got let's see, six hundred and six uh, lines, but I keep finding stuff. Um, but you have to subtract a couple lines because that's where I have like the album titles inserted. Yeah, but roughly, but- roughly like five hundred and ninety songs f- from my tally yeah and that's a lot of I mean, freaking that, songs still like my lord that's one episode <laughs> a week like i mean are you aware of the time investment you're doing here if if your aim is to do every single <laughs> song i i know i always joke around i'm like well if i keep it up uh doing it every week i think i could do it before i die if they announce style <laughs> a song anytime within the next two years you're screwed I'm dude s- I'm screwed. <laughs> I'm s- I'm so screwed. But it's also wonderful because there's just a wealth of things. That, yeah. Like I'm never gonna run out of material to talk about. Plenty to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way I can make it through all this. And w- what I really like about doing this, uh, having my guests pick uh, the the songs, is that um, it forces me to explore songs that I've maybe not forgotten about, but maybe just like. Ah, uh, you know, they don't make it on my, like, if I make a big road trip playlist, like, Dirt Bike might not have made it on there. Yeah. I got nothing against Dirt Bike, but, like, it gives me, like, a whole new perspective on it, really exactly. sitting down with it, listening to it a ton, talking about the lyrics and the arrangements and everything else going into it. So, I'm I'm loving this. Like, Museum of Idiots, um, being that we're over a half hour into this recording, <laughs> yes, we, are. we should maybe talk about it. Maybe a little bit. Okay. Uh yeah, nah, that'll do it for this episode. We'll see yeah, you later. Thanks, uh, everybody. The- <laughs> it's good. It's a good song. The- <laughs> I- I'm trying to find, again, on Punk News, um, The Spine, like I mentioned right off the top, was kind of a- a- an ignored or forgotten or, or, I guess, less respected album for some reason. And I'm going to count myself among the guilty there. I'm trying to find... Um, so almost every year I've written for Punk News, which has been since college, 2002, I've been uh, either writing reviews, doing interviews, uh, mainly I do podcast stuff now, including this podcast, um, but I do top 20 lists, like my favorite albums of the year. And in 2004, uh, let me see, I gotta find this, my list, just want to read to you what I did about, what I put about the spine, where is this? Oh, Jesus. Okay. Um, I don't know why I'm having such a problem finding this. Um, but I do know, sadly, that I put it in my biggest disappointments of 2004. <laughs> and I think I God, I really want to find find what I wrote exactly because, um, I. I think it's just because I'm so hard. I, I'm so hard on them because I love them. You know, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. It was the kind of thing like coming off of, um, like Mink Car ranks among my favorite. They might be Giants albums, and coming See, that off of that, extremely polarizing in its own right. Yes, but what I liked about that is that to me, Mink Car felt like, um, like their '80s albums in that it was so eclectic and they're an eclectic band but minkar is a really eclectic album especially for the ones made in this century um coming out in 2001 like having like man it's so loud in here having like dance 
dance music, having folk music, like drink, having yeah. um, wicked like, little critter, like rap, wicked little critter. Yeah, having like almost rap type stuff, having like Latin stuff with uh, like the yeah yeah cover. Yeah, it's it's all over the map, and then it got yeah. to spine. It got to spine, and yeah, spine has like the little. I mean, the two title tracks, um, throwing that little hip hop stuff for like 30 seconds or whatever. But I'm like, this is just like a rock album, you know? Yeah, and you pick Museum of Idiots, which sticks out as not being a straightforward rock song. And they do have, I've come around to the spine. I will say I've come around to the spine and I love it. Um, I don't know where it would rank if I had to rank all the albums. It might rank, you know, 15th or something, but that doesn't mean I don't like it. They have a lot of albums. Uh, but you picked definitely one of my favorite songs off of The Spine, uh, probably next to, I mean, obviously, you got to go with Experimental yeah, Film. That's it's such a, great, that's song. a great song. But for the same reason as Museum of Idiots, I love Stock of Wheat <laughs> because it's just like so full of brass and just like it's cool arrangements. And, and- you know, how many uh, rock bands are will be ballsy enough to use a vibra slap? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's Aussie, it's Aussie, and they might be giants. That's about yeah, it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but there's so many good ones on here. Prevenge, Thunderbird, Bastard wants to hit me all right in a row. Yeah, um, I mean, especially. I mean, Al Contraire. I mean, Al Contraire. I think because I had already heard it on the Indestructible Object EP, yeah. I was like. Ah, that one. You know, that's I'm I'm over that one. Like I I was I was disappointed by the spine. Well, the the one that confused me with Au Contraire. I mean, just a quick uh, excursion with that. I just thought it sure. was weird that they would place the flute solo between the two. Oh yeah, I did. I have no idea why they did. And even on the spine version, you hear the last two seconds of the flute solo. So you could definitely tell that they just chopped it out, <laughs> added a Dan Miller solo. And then you hear do do do. And you're like, where the hell did that flute come from? What the? <laughs> man, good ear. Good, good attention to detail there, man. You're, you're good for this podcast where we well, I, I talk about it. one song for over an hour. Yeah. Yes. So let's talk about museum of idiots. It's a, it's a waltz. Yeah. Which you don't hear a lot of rock bands do songs in 3-4. It's a bit of an awkward time signature for people who want to rock and get that backbeat. Like, you can't do a backbeat. There's no such thing as a backbeat in 3-4. So, the, they make it awesome. Why did, so, why did you pick this song? I've already said a couple of reasons. I well, like it. Um, for me, I mean, it's definitely my uh, one of my favorites off the spine. But for me, I actually first heard it... Um, Probably around oh two or oh three, back when Dial a Song was still a functioning, a functioning thing, uh, where they were throwing up demos. And one of the mm-hmm. days that I called, they happened to have the demo of Museum of Idiots. I will be standing 
I'm assuming it's the version that went out with They Might Be Giants Unlimited because you could hear a little bit of liveness, but I still heard this and and, and even not being able to 100% make out the lyrics until the point you know it, I was just grabbed by that da-da-da-da, the, the horn part, and I'm like, that's awesome. And I was like, that'd be awesome to see if the song ever sees the light of day. And so uh, either, I believe it was Christmas that year, I ended up getting the spine from my parents and, you, you know, listening to the songs and what have you, and it kicks in, and I was just like, yep. this sounds familiar. And then I was like, oh, shit, it's the Dialus song. It was the first time. Right, I, from like four years ago, right? right? It was the first, it, it was my first instance. I know this comes as a newbie kind of thing, but this is my first uh, Dialus song instance of, this is the song I heard from infantile stage to the album version. And, and so that also formulated my opinion of this is awesome. Uh, just, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it, uh, didn't even have the keen ear to necessarily notice that, uh, different keys between the two, but in hindsight, like now that I've heard these songs several times, it does sound, a little bit different with it being in a completely different key, mm-hmm. but uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was the same. It still had the same skeleton. There wasn't that much of drastic uh, in terms of time signature or tempo or lyrics. So it was basically right, right, right. the skeleton of the song. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's interesting changing the key. Like I've often changed keys of songs that I've written. To actually work for horns, because uh, trombone was my first instrument. I'm, yeah. I, I think we, I think my wife and I talked about that. Our brass backgrounds on Doctor Worm, and f- brass players love flat keys. So we love like guitarists love keys that are natural that have mostly natural notes like C and like stuff that would be like all white keys on the accordion yeah. would be nice and easy too and good on guitar. But then stuff for horns, like you don't want to play in C because, like on a trombone, you got more awkward positions to do. It's it's a whole thing I don't need to get into. But I would change the key of a song to help me later put a horn part on there, or to help out my my saxophonists, you know, rip a little harder, you know, putting right. in a, a key that's good for them. And then you know, I just do bar chords or capo or whatever on the guitar. Um, but it's interesting because the one on the album is just you put it into uh, A. And then it looks like there's uh looks like there's a key change to D maybe. I'm just looking at I mean I'm I'm assuming that the guitar tab on the wiki is correct, which it yeah. probably is is pretty much right. Yeah. Um so it's got a it's got a key change, but they're both keys that aren't necessarily great horn keys. So I'm not sure what do you know what key the the dial is? Unlimited. Uh let me take a look see cuz I I know in the uh comments uh, I think it's either in the comments of the YouTube video or the, or the, uh, they might be a wiki page for this demo version. It has the, the difference. So I'm, I'm taking a look at the, uh, I'm just going to listen to it no. real quick. Okay. So it would be the wiki. Cause I, I looked it up right after that. So just give me a second here. It's in F. The original's in F. Okay. So, so the, the I have a piano right next to me, so I just plunked it out. So the one from the Unlimited original's in is in F. F. Yeah. 
So oh. yeah, that's an interesting change. Well, I the only because F F isn't a bad horn key. I would prefer to play trombone over a song in F than I would over a song in A personally. Um, because <laughs> then you got B flats, which are good on the trombone. Yeah, I, I mean, I I played uh, band minorly, and so I do absolutely get that. the on, The only thing that, um, in a, in a non musical way, I sort of I, uh, in terms of the difference between the two versions, I almost think that the uh, unlimited version it almost sounds like that part almost sounds like they might be giants making a song over like that melody of Jesus joy, a man's desiring that, that you hear at weddings. Like it almost sounds more like that uh-huh. than that. Uh, but da, 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 that, that uh-huh, melody. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. The horn, the horn melody is kind of there in the organ part, but not completely. And I did see that on the wiki that, that Linnell actually charted out the horns himself. And I think sometimes the Johns will chart out the horns, but they also know a lot of really good horn players by yeah. this point. So I think lots of times they just let the horns kind of uh, go off of their, you know, their skeleton yeah. uh, of a song, you know. But in this case, Linnell did chart out the horns. So he had that idea in the organ and then fleshed it out a ton. I mean, the spine version, the horn part kicks ass. I was, I I was going to say great. that the horn section, I would say... It almost sounds uh, to me. It's one of the few songs that I think sounds as full horn wise as Doctor Warm. Yeah, I mean it's it's big and brassy. I mean it's it's got. Um, I mean, since Linnell plays saxophone and and clarinet and you know reed instruments, single reed instruments, there's so many good saxophone songs. Now, as far as like trumpet and trombone stuff goes, you know they got to kind of farm that out. You know they're going to get. These days, they're getting a guy named Kurt Ram who toured with them and has been on a lot of the recent stuff. Right. right. Um, Back when they did this, it was uh, the Triceratops horns, and you really only saw those uh, guys pop up at the at the shows in the New York area because it's right. really freaking expensive to send. Uh, Add extra three, three more guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Triceratops, uh, Dan Levine who I know has been playing on stuff back since I'm pretty sure he's trombone on Dr. Worm, even all the way back then. Yeah. Um, Stan Harrison on sax, who, you know, Linnell will pretty much play all the sax on the recordings, I believe, but for live, obviously Linnell's doing other things. Yeah. Accordion um, on that. And one. then, yeah. And then Kurt Ram, who, like I said, is touring with them. He's part of the Triceratops, but I'm looking at the museum of idiots credits on the wiki and, uh, Kurt Ram is not in there, so it's it's Stan Harrison and Dan Levine off of the Triceratops, but then it's got Tony Cadleck, and you can't even click on his name. And on the wiki, oh. when you can't click on a guy's name, maybe he was <laughs> only on this song. Yeah, he could, right? he could very well be a session guy. I've also seen a few times around that area that, uh, especially when they played in New York, they also substituted... Uh, Mark Pender, who was the trumpet player for Conan, that he Conan, some of the live he was shows the one on Doctor Worm. He was he's the trumpet player in Doctor Worm, which I did not find out until after we recorded that oh. episode. I'm like, oh, that's killer! Like that high note, it totally makes sense because the old Conan show, the theme that they would play, yeah, like had that killer high note at the end that he would have to hold out and yeah. hold out while Conan's like coming out, Conan's and dancing around, and mugging. he's just like, <laughs> just yeah, like this exactly. note, and I'm like. 
it totally makes sense. Mark Pender could hit that note. Yeah. I mean, you you heard you heard me say in the Doctor Worm episode that I brought in my friend to play flute and piccolo to cover right. it because it's like it's impossibly high. <laughs> and Kurt, Mark Pender, oh my god! And then Kurt Ram has that range too. He hit that note for Doctor Worm live when we saw yeah. them in Indianapolis. And my wife and I just turned to each other and our jaws just dropped, and we just burst out laughing in disbelief at this guy's skills. Yes, yeah, but, he was a very you know, nice uh, addition on this tour. Yeah, so he's not the one on uh, on this song though. This no. th- Tony Cadleck, whoever he may be, he kills it on the trumpet on on this track as well. Um, I'll tell you, the Johns—they know how to pick them. They definitely surround themselves. They surround themselves with the best people. It, it definitely helps. Kind of like our president. Let's not get into that. I surround myself with the best people. <laughs> um, but come in, come in for this session. It's going to be huge. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be huge. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah, let's not. Okay, so Marty Beller was already drumming with them. Danny Wankoff playing bass. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, the spine, you're already, you're already getting into the, the classic, classic era. Um, you don't have uh, Dan Miller on the track. When did Dan... Wait. When did... Is there no... There's no guitar in this song, um, I just realized. At least, at least album version, no. Uh, yeah, live. yeah. Live it, there is. Live it is. It's usually uh if if there's not a horn section present, it's usually uh John and Dan, at least in the beginning, trying to mm-hmm. do the bass line along with, and then Linnell is using the organ to try to supplement the horn sound, which I guess is better than doing like the fake horns that they do sometimes with Dr. Warm or that kind of thing, but Right. Well, you know, now that we're talking about live versions, just let's, let's just segue into this because I've got a couple live versions yeah. I wanted to play. Let me send you these links real quick, and you can check it out. I'll, uh, good. And then I'll edit out whatever I found. One from I mean, I, I kind of wanted to focus on the horn version, so I've got one here I just sent you from two thousand nine. Okay. Uh, in, in New York. Okay. Uh, like you said, they typically will be rocking horns more in New York than other places. Um. So this version 2009 in new york i think uh, i may have bought the mp3 of this i think they may have had that show up on the slide to be honest <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm gonna give myself a little bit of a listen to this too just to remind myself uh, which one this was because what made me jump on it uh was uh they might be giants alone kind of saying basically almost themselves giving the seal of approval to a show because it was like over two and a half hours and it was like holy mother of horns uh, if you love yeah, the horn yeah. they might be giants by the show yes I, i'm gonna drop this clip in there because they do give a shout out to the horns like right off the bat at the beginning of this song and if you happen to have a better sounding recording of this particular song or this tour or, or something Please send it my way because I'm just going to rip the audio off of this YouTube. And the person who's filming it is right in front of the horn section. So you're like really getting these horns. Yeah, I'll, Go, have, ch- to, check it I'll have to take a look and see. So, um, the horns. Yes. Woo-hoo! Living this whole way to the world, out of the world, out of the world. 
But then well, you're getting Kurt Ram. It is Kurt Ram there. I recognize yeah. him now. He right in your face. And all the sort of live shows that I've seen, it always seems, especially when they got the horn section, like they know that this is a epic freaking song that you gotta have all of your uh-huh. ducks in a row. So it always seems like the at least the versions I've seen, the banter's a little extra longer and you're seeing or you can hear uh Marty in the background like possibly for even 30 to 45 seconds behind Linnell talking, counting one, two, three, one, two, like just to get the <laughs> tempo down, just to make sure everything was, would be in lockstep when they actually get going. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when you got horns, you got to give him a, you got to give him a minute. Like if the saxophone is just walking out, he's got to make sure his reed is wet. <laughs> yeah. You know, his his reed's got to be wet. Get their lips all ready to go. Make sure you're not. Yeah. You got Right, and you got to get your lips warmed up for playing that high stuff on the trumpet and trombone, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, that that's a pretty cool version right there. And then this other version I had is from this year. I've been trying to play, you know, they've done massive touring this year um, while simultaneously putting out a bajillion songs. Yeah. Uh, so here's, again, live in New York. This is nine years later, right around Halloween. Nice. Um, there, I just sent that to you. Yep. You can just you can tell the the the, the jump in video quality <laughs> for phones. <laughs> yeah, nice high def stuff going on. Here. We got a material. Oh yeah. They built this And then here you've just got Kurt Ram. So I thought this was an interesting, uh, this isn't the whole Triceratops. It's just Kurt Ram who's been covering all this stuff, busting out like valve trombone, busting, I think he busted out a baritone when I saw them. Uh, you know, he doesn't do the sax. I do believe he played flute on a song or two, but the dude is talented. And hearing him making the song work with just him is pretty incredible. Well, it's that. And then I also noticed at least a couple of songs especially in his solos, that it, it also sounds like he has uh, uh, effects pedals that can give him a bigger, uh, brassier sound with it being just one person. Not not necessarily That's like... That's quite possible, yeah. But, um, uh, like For a live example, I noticed it especially uh, when he plays uh, oh, All Time What, that his part along with Linnell, it sounds like there's more than just the two of them and so i think that i mean it's not any sort of uh over manipulation just uh being able to make your sound like harmonize almost there's a there's more of a high end sure low end yeah i think they're probably also throwing a you know plenty of reverb and maybe a little delay on them so it almost sounds like there's a couple of guys there yeah did he play i mean that's mostly saxophone on the elm version of that did he play does he play trombone on that one live Kurt Ram? Does he play Ooh, trombone on that? I don't know. We'd have to hold on. I'll yeah. kind of skip through. Because that's mostly like tenor and Barry sax on the Elm version, at least. I mean, well, I could be yeah, wrong. Especially, it could be... Uh, well, the one part where I'm really wondering where he switches is uh, that musical part right uh, at the the musical bridge, so to speak, of the song. 
I'm wondering uh-huh. what he does then. So that's kind of why where I fast forwarded. Let's see here. Oh, it's baritone and bass saxophone. Both both play by Linnell on the studio version of All okay. Time What. But I could see. I mean, it would make sense to cover that with trombone and probably valve trombone. I think is what Kirby yeah. usually plays. Okay, it's coming up here. I want to hear what they how they. Do. Okay, it kind of seems like the the solo part was definitely way more taken by Linnell on the accordion than necessarily uh, uh. him switching. So, I mean, in terms of yeah, uh, yeah, going kind of nuts there. Sure. <laughs> And I mean, saxophone stuff being covered by accordion does make sense because they're both very reedy. <laughs> <clears throat> they are. I'm telling you, yeah. I do, I've got some accordion stuff in my the, the band. I've got a couple of bands. In outdoor velour, there is. I do play accordion. I have two accordions uh, of my own, and my Barry sax player in the band also owns his own accordion. So we've been starting to get some accordion into our live stuff. Not to the degree of they might be giants, yeah. but I'll tell you. I'll tell you, we've got two saxophonists in the band, and having a tenor sax along with an accordion, it sounds perfect. And maybe it's just grown up on They Might Be Giants, but I just they sound so good together. So good. The the, the timbres of the two instruments just mesh right. very well. Getting back on track to... Okay, so we heard a couple of live versions of Museum of Idiots. Um, we've heard... The unlimited the version. Demo slash unlimited slash whatever you want to call it version, the early version. Yeah. Um this song, you found a cover of it. So let's get into the cover section. Yeah. I couldn't find it. I couldn't find anything other than the one that you found. Um so if you want to introduce this one. And I found other covers of that same arrangement. So I think uh what oh, I you? stumbled upon was that someone either or maybe through licensing or whatever that it's become a song that's just standard for uh option serious for bands. oh man that's I, that's it, super cool it looks like a bunch of different high school jazz bands but i i, I wish we could have i was a jazz band where the hell was the name of idiots poshy uh <laughs> i just called him out on the podcast he's never gonna hear this but Okay, here we go. I'm looking at J.W. Pepper sheet music. Oh, man, it's through J.W. Pepper? No wonder it's so widely... Well, there we go. Yeah, okay. Museum of Idiots, arrangement by Matthew Montgomery. Feature your trombone soloist with this modern rock piece by the band They Might Be Giants. The 6-8... They're calling it 6-8? I guess 6-8. I don't know. I always thought of it more than 3-4. The 6-8 the six, eight rock groove and bipolar dynamics... I don't appreciate that. Throw- <laughs> don't throw around. Don't throw around well, serious illnesses. Maybe, maybe your- when you. So, uh, maybe it depends on that person's interpretation. We'll get into that of where the bipolar could yeah, tie geez. in. But- anyway, provides a nice change of pace for your set. The band is also featured with a fugue that gradually builds into the shout chorus. Your audiences will love it, and your band will love to play it. I think it's funny that a. a a song called Museum of Idiots. I suppose with high schools you can get away with that, but like yeah. me as an elementary school music teacher, <laughs> I couldn't like parents walk into like okay, the, kids spring, at the, the spring musical and we're we're gonna sing Museum of Idiots <laughs> and the parents are like, What? Well yeah, that's why what? that's why uh there's that sound clip of school children singing part of Clement. It's not uh it's not right. school children singing your racist friend. 
<laughs> though, though, you know, I've got someone signed up for that, and I started doing a little early research for it, and there is a version of fourth graders singing it in South Korea or something. No, wait. Uh, Indone- <laughs> Indonesia? Indonesia? Somewhere. Oh. But but the 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 music teacher appears to be a white guy you know because there are a lot of in asia there are a lot of schools where like americans will go over and you know they're english-speaking schools and stuff but it's the craziest thing uh (laughs) so stay tuned for that episode it's i mean you can probably go and find it on youtube but it's nuts it's nuts you know i think i'm gonna drop in a little bit of this i want to check this out real quick i'm on the jw pepper site yeah and they always have a little preview of the songs i'm gonna I'll just listen to this real quick. What does the preview sound okay. like? They've always got a very good recording to, you know, they got to sell the piece. I like that. So <laughs> the one that you found, so you found a couple, the one that you sent me, is this your favorite? The Bellevue, Bellevue Jazz, Bellevue High, High yeah, School Band? Um, I, I will say, honorable mention, um, there is one out there where uh, where in the jazz band, uh, and they might be Giants fashion, there is a woman sitting in one of the bands playing accordion to the Oh, I, I, I would. I would pick that as my favorite, except uh, maybe it's just because of the cell phone recording. I couldn't hear uh-huh. it. If if I could hear it, I would absolutely would have put that as top notch. That's a nice touch. Your, your school's the best. So that's a, that's a nice touch. So to whoever that school is, Mike, your damn accordions. <laughs> yeah, let's listen to. I'm going to drop in a little bit uh, clip of the Bellevue High School Band performing Museum of Idiots in uh, December of 2014. One of the, the kids is wearing a Santa hat or an elf hat. So Merry Christmas, everybody. Let's check this out. Yeah. <laughs> Their holiday show here is Museum of Idiots. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> ho ho ho, you dumbasses. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. We got to the cover section. We haven't even talked about the the lyrics to this song, no. so we're kind of going a little out of order, and that's fine. Yeah. We've been talking about the arrangement. The arrangement is what drew me to this song, but Absolutely. the lyrics are the lyrics are something else as well. 
It's one of Linnell's classic depressing as hell songs dressed up in 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 fancy clothes yeah, <laughs> with I mean, this the, wonderful arrangement. <laughs> this music is I would say uh up there with Drink in terms of a song that the natural if you're at the uh at the rock club and they might be trying to bust into this. This is like up there with Drink as the one where you put your arm over your buddy and just rock back and forth to the <laughs> To the yeah. tune. That's how you groove out to that song. Right. And sing about uh, something depressing. But it, <laughs> it's it's funny that a lot of the most depressing songs make me very happy. And I don't know if that makes me a twisted person. But I think a lot of us They Might Be Giants fans would be together in that, like, singing. I mean, all the way back to Don't Let's Start. Like, thinking, like singing Everybody Dies Frustrated <laughs> and Sad and Then It's Beautiful. And we're all like, yes! Well, like, most people who listen to, like, pop radio would be like, what did he just say? That's horrible. That's so sad. Yeah, exactly. Or, or um, yeah, there's, it's, it's, it's their my entree. My heavens! <laughs> yeah, it's their mantra for sure. What do you make of the lyrics here? Before we get in, I always like to get into yeah. the interpretations on the wiki if there are any. But oh, what are your interpretations? A, what are your interpretations? I, I, I will say, first? um, I I did check the wiki afterwards, and I will say, oh lordy, are there interpretations? But uh, mine, uh, I I see this as, um, as a relationship breakup song, but not in the typical version of. Uh, relationship breakup songs where it's the aftermath the person is pining after i mean that that does come up right but i think from i think each verse kind of tackles a different point at the end of a relationship uh this first okay. little uh-huh. this first little chunk now uh i will say in this metaphor in this read i'm going it is going to get morbid but that's just they might be giants um go but, go nuts but uh, that first whole verse of they built this whole neighborhood out of wood, all this, all this stuff. It's this initial early part of the relationship where he's definitely uh, more still invested in this relationship than she is. And I see the Museum of Idiots kind of being her mausoleum to exes, her ex relationships. That's the okay, Museum yeah. of Idiots. Yeah. And so. Um, <laughs> And 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 for him, he says, "I'll still be around when they burn it down." I think in his mind, the point where she can really let go, and that's the end of all the exes, is the point where they are truly at the end of 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 ultimate happiness of either through engagement or marriage or having a kid or whatever it is. That that's the point where you burn it down and you don't necessarily have to worry about your exes or idiots, ex- except for. Yeah anecdotes to emote to your children when they're older of what they can stay away from yeah um sure then, yeah, then i the, like that i like that take. second sort of verse of honey i'm there when you need me please leave me that is the point where she has moved on but he's sort of still desperately there of but let's 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 make this work i'm i'm i'll still be right here i'm still gonna be right here uh and and that and so that sort of thing. And then I think that line right before the bridge is the moment where in anger, you end up saying something incredibly stupid on the way out or basically saying, uh, uh-huh. it, you're, you and I are stupid. We're freaking stupid. Mm-hmm. If we weren't stupid, so we tell, wouldn't be, what, what, 
Yeah, which lines are you referring to oh, here? The, just, the, just to if keep you us and up. I had any brains, we wouldn't be in this place. Yeah. That, yeah. And, and and so uh this is this is sort of what I was <laughs> when I was hyper thinking of this, this part is actually what made me laugh the hardest because I'm like, this makes sense. Cause uh at that point you have the trombone do this very odd music solo, like this fuzzy warped <laughs> thing. And I almost thought of it yeah. as like pissed off peanuts teacher. <laughs> like that like that's the point of that woman snapping back at that point where she's not even making legible uh <laughs> sense anymore. She's just yelling. That's her response to the you and Damn I are it, Lucy. <laughs> Damn it, Lucy, I was pulling that football away from poor Charlie Brown. It, it, exactly, but I, I'm off. saying uh the teacher, it's <laughs> wah, wah, wah. this one is right. like this it's angry. <laughs> she's pissed and so then the, angry the, trombone yeah yeah so the yeah very end of it uh the um chop me up into pieces if it pleases if it pleases every piece will say i love you that's where it comes to the realization that not necessarily that this place is made out of wood out of wood that it's uh it's weathered i guess in morbid they might be giants it's weathered corpses of the exes of her that final <laughs> fu and so that's why it's saying when all the chopping is through, every piece of me will say, I love you. He still loves her. That mm -hmm. it's still that hopeless romantic. And so it says every piece of me will still say, I love you here in the museum of idiots. So he is now part of the museum. Yeah. At least that's my take yeah. on this. <laughs> Man, no, that that's a good take there. And me over here, I'm like maybe stretching here, but I'm looking at, I just got my tab open still of the, the spine version of the song, and it has just the spine artwork real big yeah. on the YouTube screen. And here, it you know, they, they tend to not be too literal with their artwork or no. directly, like, draw from one song to the artwork or whatever. They they like to keep things, I mean, not, not random. They think about everything well, they're doing, the first and album. they have an aesthetic. Sure, right, 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 right. Um, but here on the cover of the spine, and I, I've always loved the cover. Yeah, and you've got this little like farmhouse made of wood. Yeah, which is propped up, propped up like a little trap, like you're about to trap some guy in this like or, or woman trap someone in this little like yeah. quaint, quaint little little home. And I'm positive there's nothing to do with directly to this one certain song on the album. But, like, if you really wanted to think about it in that way, Museum of Idiots, uh, and then this guy ending up in a relationship or an idiot ending up in a really, I mean, trapping someone in this house, like on the cover, uh, for some reason, just as you were going through your interpretation, which was very well thought out, I'm yeah. just like, huh, look at the cover there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, that could very well be the Museum of Idiots as well. It's a little out of wood trap yeah <laughs> yeah i also but, love how the house on the cover the the door has that little like crescent moon cut out on it like which is what you usually see on like an outhouse door an old so this place is shit basically <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> oh my goodness uh yeah i don't know if i could improve on your interpretation all that much i think that was really really nicely done i just wanted to say that i love the the part the chop me up into pieces part if it pleases and for some reason, that line really made me think of 
and this is really just random brain kind of thing going. You ever seen the movie uh, Punch Drunk Love? Yeah. How Adam Sandler's character, and one of his best roles in that it's not a movie that he had anything to do with other than act in it. You know, he didn't <laughs> write it. He didn't direct it. He didn't produce it. Um, um, Paul Thomas Anderson is the director, and it's a very dark, dark, yeah. dark comedy. I mean, you'd throw comedy after, like, several darks just because it's so... Dark, but being a They Might Be Giants fan, I found a lot of similarities with with the sense of humor there in that movie because it is just really dark. And like when he like leans over to her in bed, I, I might be misremembering the scene, and he's like, "Oh, I just love you so much. Your face is so beautiful. I just want to bash it in with a hammer or something yeah. like that." And like the average person would be like, "What the fuck? What is this movie?" I was like, "That's beautiful." <laughs> Like, like it's like something about that is just such a bizarre thing to say. But in, in this song here, yeah, when you're chop me up into pieces, someone, right? Like you could literally chop me into pieces, and all of my pieces laying there would say, "I love you." Every piece of me will say, "I love you." Yeah, that person is that <laughs> pathetic at that point of like you could just if yeah. I could still be with you, go ahead, hack my limbs off. I will still be. <laughs> Bleeding in the Minnesota snow for you, baby. <laughs> and I would do anything for love. Even getting chopped into pieces. Uh, it's, it's, the, it's the inverse of uh, Weird Al's One More Minute. It's the inverse. <laughs> it's, uh, it's actually more like Weird Al's uh, You Don't Love Me Anymore. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Which I've performed live on a 12-string guitar. <laughs> I performed it at, at at like a bar, basically, uh, more of like a little tasting room, like a very intimate setting. People just having their their you know pints of beer, and I'm up there. Like I didn't even preface it. Like this is a Weird Al song. I was just like, I just went into it. You know, starts off kind of normal love yeah, song, and then I'm just insane. like, you slam my face down yeah, on the barbecue grill. <laughs> And I remember people like, you know, they're kind of half paying attention or whatever. They're there to drink more than to watch me and just looking over and be like, what is this song? What is wrong with this man? Hold out my like, Weird Al, come on. <laughs> One of his, his, his all time favorite original composition, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's definitely up there. Oh. And, and, and that's also, uh, Quick trivia, that's the point where he uh, ended up realizing that there was never a point where he could do anything serious, because he, he said something to the effect, like, that song was his earnest <laughs> attempt at seriousness. And he uh-huh. got about a half a verse, and it's like, this yeah. is too weird, and it just went from there. <laughs> that's what makes the song great, is it yeah. starts out like a normal... Uh... You don't love me anymore, yeah. And then it yeah. gets it. You really don't love me anymore. You want to murder Kill me, me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dump me in the drainage ditch. Uh, <laughs> down the elevator shaft. <laughs> <laughs> Just the imagery that that conjures up. The the music video is great too. Yeah, featuring Robert Goulet. Robert Goulet getting stabbed in the eye with a cello bow. Yep, and his hand getting ripped off by the <laughs> piano lid coming down. Yeah, on. <laughs> <laughs> pure Weird Al comedy. I love it. Yeah. Uh, let's look at the interpretations uh, other people have submitted on the wiki. You, you, so you looked at these already. Do you uh, have yeah, a favorite? Some, uh, skimmed. I didn't want it to. I didn't want it to uh, uh, 
dissuade my opinion too much. Right, right. But uh And some of these men, I'll tell you, they're really <laughs> I, I love this. The, I mean the very bottom one okay, well there's another one. But I just love even just scanning the titles of them. Museum of Idiots equals the planet Earth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I see the song as a message about the imminent socioeconomic collapse and the necessary changes needed to make the world either to prevent it or to survive after the co- collapse. Oh, it's ridiculous. I what mean, what uh, do you like from from these? Well, what I what I just wanted to quick say about interpretations, and this is absolutely uh, no shot at anybody who contributes on the Wikipedia page. It's a beautiful thing. But I wonder in earnest, because I do know that They Might Be Giants uses the set list function to kind of look back and see what they've what they've done and that kind of thing. But I wonder if they ever look at the interpretations and just laugh. I'm <laughs> sure they do. I mean, I don't I, I don't mean that in any sort of uh uh disrespect <laughs> disparaging um, way yeah we don't want to discourage people from getting on here and submitting these but but also there are some people who get on here and i think just want to troll people and just be silly i think my absolute favorite was the corporate version uh okay for me to kind of read this off it says a plausible variant on this theory is a smart man loyal to the company but buried at the bottom of the corporate ladder he sees them building a massive project the whole neighborhood in a stupid way, and he'll see them burn it down, too, when they realize the flaw. But nobody will listen to him, even though he's right there when you need me. He tried introducing himself to some higher-ups, but the guys didn't understand what he was saying, so where we met is where you may forget. But still, he blames himself for not thinking of a way to tell the people in charge, if you and I had any brains, we wouldn't be in this place. Ironically, (laughs) when everything does go wrong, the company needs a scapegoat, and he ends up being it. They tear him to shreds, uh, mm-hmm. uh, obviously uh, career-wise, and feed him to the angry public. But he's not angry. He's still loyal to the company. Despite the fact that they screwed him, ignored him, and scapegoated him, he still says, I love you, I love you, a museum of idiots indeed. <sighs> yeah, that's an interesting one. <laughs> yeah, I, I looked... Uh... The one just a couple down from there about deforestation. This one, I, I, I like the interpretations that where they really, really stretch to make it work. And then sometimes if they're, if they write it well enough, the interpretation, they can start to convince you. You're like, yeah, okay, I see how they thought that. And, and then you're like, wait, what? No, that's stupid. Uh, but this one, deforestation, um, a forest is a neighborhood built of wood. <laughs> okay. Yes. It's a neighborhood. It's a neighborhood for all the nice little animals. Deforestation and forest fires brought on by humanity. Burn, burn it down. A tree can't do anything to protect itself from being burnt down. So the tree will always be standing around when they, the humans, burn, burn it down. A tree being rooted never moves from its spot. Quote, I'll still be right where you left me. Even if you forget it, a tree will still stay there for you, quote, when you need me. No one bothers to remember a tree they saw in the woods. So whenever you met the tree, that's where you'll forget it. Uh, where, we, where we met is where you'll forget. <laughs> if a tree were sentient, it wouldn't want to simply sit there in the middle of the forest to die in the same spot it's always been, at the mercy of humans and nature. If a human wants to, he can chop down a tree while it sits idly by, never protesting or changing its opinion 
or feelings toward you. Even after a tree is cut down and chopped into pieces, it doesn't hate humanity, the person who killed it. Every piece of wood will say, I love you. This is the line which tipped me off that this was about deforestation and the opinions of the of trees on people. The pieces of a tree are pieces of wood. So in summary, trees unconditionally love humans, whether they chop them up, burn them down, or utterly forget them. <laughs> uh, in, a, in a similar vein, this is uh, just a micro-interpretation. It's at least good imagery uh, tying with the chopping and wood and stuff, but says, is it just me, or do the lines chop me up into pieces? pieces if it pleases and pleases remind anyone else of fantasia where mickey is chopping up the broom yeah. where all the splinters become smaller brooms and overtake me yeah. <laughs> interesting and then uh yeah and then one last one this is i love also when people do interpretations just because of a singular line and ignore uh-huh. the ever rest of the song and there's right, a right. good one of that on this one uh where just because they say that Linnell accents the word brains, that <laughs> makes it think that he's referencing to a zombie apocalypse. Oh, of course. <laughs> and that just as Linnell says this, the horns get all wonky for a minute. Not to mention <laughs> the chop me up into pieces comes right after the part about having no brains. Okay. <laughs> Love it. God, I, the wiki, you could just get lost in this thing for hours. And again, absolutely oh. no offense to these people. If you happen to be listening, I this is this is not me saying you dummy. It's it's I appreciate the creativity and earnest cuz these are yep. reads that yep. I would not have come up with on my own. And I don't like how some of these, I, I kind of don't like how you're allowed to submit it anonymously, because I would like to credit these people in the deforestation one. I don't see any name attached to it. I yeah. see some names attached to people commenting on it. Um, but I, is there a name attached to the corporate version? I don't think there's one there either. No, I'm, I'm not, I'm not seeing, uh, seeing it in the slightest. Yeah, and and like no date. I really like looking at the dates, especially when there's a song from like the early wiki days where you you'd see something like when the song was new, and then you'll notice that someone came in like last year and is like making a comment on it. Well, I mean, I love that, especially with interpretations, because I mean, especially with how uh, things are going. I mean, it's easy right now to make a a blanket interpretation and say. It's Oof. about the government circa 2018. And you're like, but the song came out in 2004. <laughs> they didn't know this shit. Well, it came out in the Bush era, to be fair. Uh, yeah, <laughs> for them. For them, yeah. for them. But if but but they wrote the original version came out in 2000. Yeah. So, so that was like right on the, I guess you couldn't say it was inspired by Bush because he didn't really do too much. I was, uh, was going to say, maybe the just, 2000 was election was like, they, oh, there we go. Maybe we stumped. Florida is the Museum of Idiots. It is there Florida, you go. the state of Florida. There you go. Maybe that's Screwed the most over obvious interpretation that was right you in front of our You should submit that. Why don't you type that up, submit it to the wiki. <laughs> <laughs> just, just type it. Uh, it's about Florida. Don't give any justification. Yeah, yeah. Al Gore, <laughs> Al Gore is in this Museum of Idiots because he got duped. Yeah, <laughs> uh, or the idiots George W. I mean, you could go either way. You could, you could, yeah. It's yeah. Uh, it's a great song. So thank you for picking this song because yeah. again, the spine is an album that I really took a hard turn back to to appreciate much after the fact. Um, 
I was disappointed at first, but I'll tell you, songs like this, this proves that it isn't just a standard rock album. I mean, hell, this song is now being played by jazz bands, uh, arranged by, uh, obviously, a fan um, into a jazz band version, which is fantastic. Yeah. And I teach, I teach sixth grade band. This is beyond my band's ability yeah. uh, by far, but that is incredible. And so clearly, The Spine isn't just another rock album. You know, they've got a song like this, Stock of Wheat, The Spine, Hip Hop things i mean there's 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 a lot going on here i just at the time i was just still so in love with mink car and i wanted another thing as weird as mink car yeah but museum of idiots great song and um jonathan leonard uh, uh, great guest i i would say uh we went <laughs> a very long episode full of tangents but also full of a lot of insight and um so thanks for being on the episode man yeah no problem yeah that was fun uh so is there anything you've got going on that you would like to plug? I've had a lot of musicians on, and you, you've made music in the past, but I don't know if there's anything, any creative endeavors or anything that you'd like to point people to online um, or anything like that. I don't know very much about you. Which, what, uh, anything you got going on you'd like to plug? There's nothing really to plug. I guess if uh, I will say I'm not active as much as I should be, but I'm at Mafu John on Twitter if you want to follow I don't really do anything of any importance, but if you're just like, I follow random people for random goddamn reasons. Sure. You want to spell that out for the people? I'll find you right now, too. Sure. M-A-F-U-J-O-N. Okay. But um, Let's see. Oh, there he is. Yeah. Okay. There you go. You got This Might Be a Podcast is following you. There we go. Nice. Yeah. Minnesota. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I I appreciate I, I like your last tweet there. November tenth, you got to get on here a little more. That's yeah, right. I miss a hundred percent of the shots I take. I'm not good at basketball. Um, yeah, that, <laughs> it, it, for me, it's a lot of uh, retweeting and reading. So I, I will say, as uh, sure. original content, not as much as possible. Oh, um, and I think you only- might like interacting with uh, my my Twitter. I don't know if you've if yeah. you've come across the Twitter for this might be a pod, but. We get a lot of nerdy conversations going nice. on. It's it's uh, some some miscellaneous tiers have also migrated over to here to to partake in both. So nice. it's a good time. Yeah. So we're at this might be a pod, and let me do my little uh, credits as well. You can uh, tweet at us there. You can send me an email uh, at uh, email is this might be a pod at gmail, uh, facebook.com slash this might be a podcast. And you can also leave me a voicemail. Spencer leaves me tons of voicemails. I need voicemails from other people, too. (laughs) And uh, you can leave me a voicemail at 224-801-2930. And uh, I'll play it as long as you don't say horrible things about me and my mother from the Istanbul episode. (laughs) Uh, Because then I'll I'll find you and I'll kill you. Uh, I'll chop you into pieces. And... uh, with with that, I think uh, I'll see you again, Jonathan, for the uh, the tick 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 episode. How's that sound? Sounds good. Yeah, cool. All right, signing off, everybody. Bye bye.